0: Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Hello, my name is Francine Colby, and I'll be reading Matthew 12, 46 through 50. While Jesus was speaking to the crowds, his mother and brothers stood outside trying to speak to him. Someone said to him, Look, Your mother and brothers are outside wanting to speak with you. And Jesus replied, Who is my mother? Who are my brothers? He stretched out his hand toward his disciples and said, Look, here are my brother and my sisters. Whoever does the will of my father who is in heaven is my brother, sister, and mother. This is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Francine, thank you for reading the scripture today. Appreciate you doing that. So we continue the series today. We started last week on boundaries. Uh, among the sources we're using is a book named Boundaries by Henry Cloud and John Townsend. It's an excellent, excellent book uh, that we'll be using. And actually there's a study I'll be leading on Thursdays at 630 for four weeks that will take these topics we talk about on Sunday and we'll talk about them again the following Thursday. It's not required that you buy the book uh, but it's, it'll be a great time for us to reflect and discuss some of the things that we learn uh, through this process, and so shoot me an email if you uh, are interested in attending. We've talked about boundaries, The kind of the, the image, the overriding image is this notion of a fence. We understand fences as a boundary, uh, to mark a boundary, and, but it's, uh, our, our personal boundaries are not uh, impenetrable or set in concrete, it's... Um, it can flex, it can breathe, you can see over it, you can see through it there 's a gate so so you can you can make choices about what to do with that and shift your boundaries as needed, but at the same time it 's you know you 've got a boundary, and the things that are inside that fence is my responsibility. This is my work to do if, if and other people have things inside their fence that 's not my work to do it 's their work to do right that 's the basic idea of the of personal boundaries, and so we 're going to talk about that today. Uh, And I thought this was, you know, I look at things on social media just like everybody else and I find all these great uh, tweets and such about family. And so here's a good one to start us off with today. My dad's name is Aaron. So when I was little and he said he was going to run errands, I heard errands. And figured that adults just called the chores they had to do by their own name and to this day I still secretly think of my chores as Ellie's. Isn't that great? I mean, that's not a bad way to think of it. Yeah, I've got things to do. I've got my Jeffs. Those are my things to to do. I have to take take ownership, responsibility. I have things to do My Jeffs. So yeah, we're going to talk about boundaries and uh, family today. Now, I'm well aware that that family is a very broad topic. I mean, there's a lot of different kinds of relationships within family, Um, uh, and so uh, we can't cover all that today. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, a lot of time I'm going to talk about kind of those early phases in life. And I know some of you are thinking, well, my kids are grown. I don't have little kids anymore. But, the, but you're going to recognize some of the patterns I talk about as we deal with young children and how those patterns live out in other arenas throughout a person's life. So it's not just that you don't have kids anymore. It's things that you begin to see in other people and see in yourself. Things that might have started very, very early on. Because it's in your family of origin where you learn what normal is. Right? It's the normal to you. <laughs> you, might, you might grow up in a family. It's a large family. And when you gather at the dinner table, it's noisy and it's loud and people are laughing. And some sharp words and sometimes food flies through the air. I mean, there's that kind of... And you think that's normal. And then you, know, you might have come from a family where people gather and it's, it's very quiet People are very courteous, they speak in even tones, and you think that's normal. That's where we learn. We learn these things early on in life. That's what is normal. We think that's just the way it ought to be because that's what I've known all my life. And sometimes we have to kind of examine some things to determine, well, that was normal for me then, but is it healthy? Is it a good pattern? Do I want to keep doing it or do I want to change that? we learn about these boundary things all through our life, all through our life. So we are going to talk about, uh, kind of starting off, talking about young children, and you know, uh, working with young children, they're just, they're just different, right? They think differently than adults do, of course. Uh, here's a, here was a tweet that some of you will relate to, prayers for my distraught five-year-old whose pet ice cube just melted in their apple juice, <laughs> right? Yeah, what do you do with that, right? Or how about this when a six six-year-old says this, I love you, me. Aw, I love you too, six-year-old. I wasn't talking to you, I was talking to my donut. <laughs> yeah, we gotta understand kids are kids, and kids are gonna process differently, and that's just part of those phases of life. And and one of those phases most of us have heard of and maybe experienced if you've raised a child, is called the terrible twos. Right? The terrible twos. I'm not, yeah, I always want to call it something else. I like to call it the terrific twos, but, you know, we call it the terrible twos. And you know why we call it the terrible twos? Of course, I asked this at the earlier service, and I said, why is it called the terrible twos? And they said, because they are. Well, yeah, okay. But that's when they generally are learning to say no, right? That's when kids generally start to learn to say no, and they say it loudly and with feeling, right? (laughs) No. No. Whatever it is, I used to have fun with one of our sons because he was clearly man. When he learned to say no, whew, That was his word for everything. And so I'd ask, "Well, do you want this? No. Do you want that? No." And, I'd, and then I'd just start saying things like, "Well, I think the grass is green." No. Well, <laughs> I just had a little personal fun, you know. Got to find fun in these things every now and then. Um. So, but. But what's happening, and most of you, you, you know this, what, what's happening is a perfectly normal developmental thing. It's very frustrating. I, don't, don't get me wrong, it's very frustrating as a parent. There are deep sighs, there are, God help me get through this, yeah, when they're that going through that. But it's a perfectly normal developmental thing, because what they're learning is they're learning about boundaries. Up until that part, up until that point, they have been, I mean, everything completely attached to a parent. And they're starting to think, oh, there's an independent me, I'm not, not really thinking this, but there's an independent me that is separate from that other person. And the way they start learning about that is to say, no, I need you to pick that up. No, that's what they're learning frustrating but that's what that's what they're learning and so it's it's that matter of helping them to understand what's an appropriate boundary and how do you do that and and as the adult in the room right we're the ones supposed to teach them because they can't set all the boundaries when they're two years old nor can we obliterate their ability to set boundaries or they may not have them later so it's a process it's always a process. Every step of the way is a process. Uh, so our job is to help them to learn about this. So, so I decided I'd say, well, this is my parenting philosophy, uh, just to help you understand where I'm coming from with some of this. I'm not saying you need to subscribe to it. I'm not even saying it's right. It's just the way I, the way I approached parenting. So my, here was my philosophy. I'm not raising children. I'm raising adults who are going to be children for a few years. My job is to let them be children and also to prepare them to be adults, right? Because when they're two, well, they're two. You've you got to let them be two. You've got to let them be six. You've got to let them be 12. You got, at the same time, how do you move them and prepare them toward what's, the, what's what it's going to be? Because you're going to be an adult generally a whole lot more years than you are a child. So what does that look like? How does that play out? How in the world do you do that? Well, in a word, discipline. Now, I know some of you just cringed when I said that. I kind of cringed when I said it because it's a, it's a very misunderstood and misused word anymore, especially when we talk about children. Because the word discipline just means teaching. If you met somebody and they said, I teach at a university, you might say, oh, what's your discipline? What's your field of teaching, your field of expertise? Another form of the root word is the word Disciple. Those people who follow Jesus around, right? Disciples, that means students. And they called him rabbi, which means teacher. Discipline is teaching. The problem is we began to associate discipline with punishment. That's something very different. Punishment is about um, something, a kid did something they shouldn't have done. You say, you're going to get punished, and so you're grounded, you're going to get a spanking, you're going to, which, whatever, whatever it is, whatever that punishment is. And generally, after the punishment, you say, well, did you learn your lesson? And sometimes with tears streaming down their cheeks, yes, right? Well, you know what lesson they learned. Not to get caught. That's the lesson they learned. Oh, gee, I don't need to be more sneaky next time because I don't want to go through this again. Discipline is different. So, think of it this way. There are positive and negative aspects, experiences, so to speak, with discipline. Positive are things like, well, simply instruction. Here's how you do it. Or uh, being proactive. You might understand that your kid is going to go into a place they've never been in before. And so you might say, hey, let me tell you what you might see. Especially especially if you have a kid that's going to go into a hospital to see somebody, a family member in a hospital. Be proactive. Hey, let me help you understand what this is going to be and what it's going to look like. Proactive. I mean, that's, that's, that's the positive side of discipline. Uh, being proactive, prevention, those kinds of things. Then there are the, kind of the negative experiences with discipline. Um, one of those is correction. Because my, for most of us, we're not real crazy about being corrected. I mean, it's part, but it's part of the learning process, Right? I mean, you do something, you think, yep, but I did this right, and then someone says, uh, no, that's not right. <laughs> oh, man, we don't like it, but it's important. That's what we learn from. The other piece, and this is where we often associate it with punishment, is consequences. That sometimes things don't go the way we want them to go, and then there are consequences. So, um, referring back to that same child uh in my life uh do you want some applesauce no knowing i know he loved applesauce okay well how about green beans no applesauce no green beans no i got, okay i'll put the food away the consequence is I, those are your choices i'm gonna put the food away and generally you know then it's pretty quickly oh wait hang on a second but that notion of there's a consequence to a decision. And sometimes things don't go very well. And, and at what level, I mean, you just have to figure this out for the kids. They, they have to experience the consequence at some level, whatever it is. I mean, I know as inter- parents, sometimes we have to intervene here and there. But they need to learn that because that's how they learn. That's how they learn the boundaries. And then you as a supportive parent are right there with them, right? Here's what we're going to learn. So, in every family, there's, there's, there's times that we learn these things very well. There's times that we don't learn these things very well. That's true for every single one of us. Uh, here's, here's another uh, tweet. A mother-in-law speaking to a daughter-in-law. You have to teach them really young to pick up after themselves. Me, watching my husband take off his socks and leave them in the middle of the living room. <laughs> right. They need to learn that early, right? You wonder who picked up his socks when he was a kid. Yeah. So what you're, what you're trying to teach is responsibility, right? I mean, for the, the kid to understand I have responsibilities. I have my Jeffs. They have their, their Bradens or their uh, Bethany's. Or their, I mean, they've got their things that are their things to do. And to own that, be responsible for it, appropriate to their age as they go. And to understand sometimes there are consequences. doesn't mean they're a failure. It doesn't mean they're a bad person. It just means it didn't go well. And this is what's going to happen now. And so let's learn from that. Everybody struggles with how that works with children and when to say what and how to how to enforce that and everything. Here's, here's another tweet. My wife and I are going to be super bummed if we don't get a good grade on our daughter science fair project. <laughs> well, I can't even relate to that one, right? <laughs> Who hasn't had the... It's, hey, I've got a project due tomorrow. It's 7 o'clock. <laughs> what? We've we got to go to the store. Yeah. I mean, we've all been through that. Well, because there are times in families that we don't get it right. Right? I mean, as parents, there's times we don't get it right. As kids growing up, there's times we don't get it right. Even as we get older, maybe into adulthood, sometimes we have an issue with a sibling or a parent, or a grandparent, or a cousin. Feelings are hurt, a promise is broken, trust is destroyed. That's part of being in families. And then it's the holiday season. And you're going to go see these people. And you're going to, right, and you're going to go and you're going to gather at whatever place and you're going to have your meals and you're going to chat and all this kind of stuff and... Uh, so some of us, some of us subscribe to, to this rule. The first rule of family gatherings, always bring your own car so you can leave when you want. <laughs> right? Let's just play it safe. I'm going to take my own car. Thanks for the offer for the ride. Because it can be uncomfortable. It can be awkward at family when there's a rift between some family members. So, so what do you do with that? What do you do with that besides take your own car? So two things to think about, Um, and we'll talk about this in terms of boundaries. Two things, forgiveness and reconciliation. So forgiveness is is the activity of one. The person who was wronged makes the decision, I need to forgive that person. We'd love it if they'd come to us and say, I know I wronged you and I'm sorry, but get, we'll get to that. That's, that's about reconciliation. Forgiveness is me deciding I need to forgive this person. And, and and Because the thing is, is that when somebody hurts us, then inside of our fence, on our side of the fence, often there are things like anger and bitterness and resentment, and and they just they, they kind of run, run free. And so every time you go out in your backyard, they're biting you on the heels and they're jumping up on you and, and they're scratching you. and that's in, your, that's in your side of your fence. Now, you can say, but they wronged me. That's right. Yes. And that hurts. And you've got to grieve that. But if we just let those things run rampant, it hurts us. It, years ago, I had the realization that somebody I felt had wronged me and I just stewed about it and I kind of held on to it. And I had anger and bitterness and resentment living in my life in my yard. And, and then one day it dawned on me, I bet that person doesn't even realize how upset I am about this. I bet they're just doing their own thing. I bet they're just having fun. They, wouldn't even, they don't even think about it. And here I am carrying this around. And it dawned on me that maybe I need to go to that gate push anger and bitterness and resentment out and not let them live in my yard anymore. Because it was hurting me. It wasn't hurting them. Forgiveness. So you'd hope that somebody who has wronged you would come to you and say, I know I hurt you and I'm sorry. That's what you like. And, And then you can have that conversation around reconciliation. How do we repair this? And how do we have a different, a new day in our relationship? That's what you hope. But sometimes you try reconciliation and the person doesn't accept it. And some of you may have had experiences with this. The people I've learned from a lot in this uh, are uh, people I've known over the years uh, through my churches and and acquaintances uh, who have been in 12-step recovery programs. Um... Because when you've had a life dominated by abuse of uh, drugs or alcohol, often what has happened is you know you've hurt people. And, and 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 when you go down those 12 steps, one of them is make a list of people you know you've wronged. And then go tell them you're, you're sorry, you apologize. Ask for forgiveness. Now, Sometimes the people say, oh, I'm, thank you for doing this. I'm, and some people say, not after what you did to me. But the thing is, if you're the one living with it, you've got to be the one to let this go. And so the idea, it, it, it's in the Bible. And Paul writing in his letter, I think it's to the Romans, where he said, insofar as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Insofar as it depends on you. I can only do what I can do. Someone on the other side of their fence may say, nope, I'm not doing it but i got to let it go out of me. So hopefully the reconciliation can happen. They say yes, and, and then you start new kinds of communications and a new day, and you start rebuilding the relationship, and that's, that's what you hope. Now, the interesting thing about this is that this kind of dynamic parallels what the Bible teaches about God's relationship in us. See, see, the thing is is that we, being the humans that we are, have done things that did not please God. Did things God said don't do. We've not done things God said did do. And so we've ruptured that relationship. Now the good news is God's already forgiven us. He's already forgiven us through the grace of Jesus Christ. But what God wants is reconciliation. Uh, There's a verse in the Bible that says that God... That through Christ, God is working to reconcile all things back to God, to reconcile. That we would come to an awareness that I've not been the person God intends me to be. God, I'm sorry. And how do we repair the relationship? That's what that's what God is intending for us, so that so that our so that our uh, our internal and our external things match right. Like that parable Jesus told about a man who had two sons. Uh, uh, Man went to son number one and said, son, I need you to go out into the field to work. And the son said, no, I don't want to do that. But later the son thought about it and he went and 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 did it. He went to son number two, I need you to go out into the field and work. And the son said, yes, dad, I'll do that. And then never went out. This contrast of people who have different responses internally and externally, right? The notion of integrity is that those come together. And the way that I portray myself as a Christian out, outwardly, it really is in my heart. And what's in my heart really is what radiates outwardly. That's what God intends for us healed relationships. And in this way, we can more and more fulfill what God intends. For all of us. Let's pray. God, we're grateful for your love and grace for us, for your forgiveness at the times we don't even know we need to ask for forgiveness. You have made it available to us. So, God, help us, help us to accept that forgiveness and help us to reconcile with you so that our lives more fully model what you have shown us through your son, Jesus. God, in those difficult times in our own families and other relationships where there has been hurt and harm, we pray God for healing and for courage to let go of past wrongs, and for strength to work for reconciliation, that we might know wholeness in relationships. God, be with everybody here. That as we think about these things, we probably are thinking about a family member or a friend someone along the way that it's not gone well. God, help us to experience your peace, your love, your strength as we seek to make amends, as we seek to fulfill your intent for us. In Jesus' name, amen.